0: You're listening to the Solo to CEO Podcast with Davina Frederick. Hello, and welcome to the Solo to CEO Podcast, where we provide a mix of powerful, thought-provoking and practical information to assist you in your transformation from solo to CEO of a high-impact, wealth-generating business. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here with Sarah Stewart, attorney and founder of Solid Serenity Legal Solutions. Solid Serenity Legal Solutions is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and services clients in need of estate and legacy planning, guardianship, and probate. Welcome, Sarah. It's so good to have you as our guest on the Solo to CEO podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So you and I have uh, known each other a little bit uh, over the last few years, and I've kind of followed your your journey and your career. Um, Why don't you tell everybody uh, a little more detail about Solid Serenity Legal Solutions and how you serve your your clients?
1: Okay, so we are based in Oklahoma, so our clients are Mm Oklahoma-based, and we focus on helping families fill the holes in the state planning. What I mean by that is We definitely focus on making sure that there's a plan for if something happens to you for your children, your young children. That was something that became important to me when I became a mother. Mm -hmm. I also focus on probate. So that's, uh, for those of you who don't know, transferring assets if someone passes away. And guardianships, we focus a lot on maybe uh, special needs children who become adults. Uh, Parents have to take them to court to uh, continue to be able to take care of them. Or elderly people who aren't able to care for themselves, and wrapped into that, we also do the special needs trusts and things of that nature to make sure that they don't lose their benefits if, you know, mom or dad pass away and they inherit money. So that's uh, that's really our focus: is helping families stress less in all of these wonderful legal situations that they find themselves in.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it is a. Um... It is quite a challenge, as particularly as you get older and you f- you find yourself in a situation where you're ha- where you need to deal with issues for your parents. You know, I'm I'm at that age. I'm in my mid fifties, and so my parents are getting into their eighties, and you have to start thinking about those kinds of things. And it can be very stressful and confusing for non attorneys who you know there's there's so much uh, involved in the legal process. Right? So you Absolutely. have, what What caused you to choose this area of practice?
1: Well, I actually, when I first started out from law school, I worked in divorce and child custody. And to be quite frank, that is just not a good fit for me. I didn't like <laughs> it. Um, so I went on to do some nonprofit work. I became executive director of a nonprofit here in Oklahoma City. And we did that type of work. So we did adoptions for grandparents, parents, and guardianships. We focused on the senior community, the low-income community. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I mean, I loved working in that environment. The problem was, as the executive director, I just wore so many hats. And we had so many people coming through our doors. I I believe we had about 1,200 clients a year for two attorneys in the office. And uh, so it just, I felt like we were losing that connection to our customers and our clients. And that's super important to me. In fact, in my business, I call my clients my client family because I want to be more than just their attorney for their documents or their attorney who helped them do this probate. I want them to call me if they need someone to mow their lawn. I can help them, you know, have a community where they can get help. And I don't want them to feel like I'm going to charge them $500 an hour every time they pick up the phone. So those are, are really the basics of, of my business. Is I focus on flat fee planning and I focus on connection with my clients.
0: Mm-hmm. So you really uh, embrace the counselor at law role, not just the attorney at law, but the counselor at law. You know, sounds like you. Absolutely you really that you really work on that relationship of being a trusted advisor that they can call for all kinds of needs which uh, is is very special you know in this day and age that high touch really means a lot um so tell me you you mentioned when you were lost what you did right after law school when you went to law school um Did you have an idea of what kind of you thought you wanted to be a family law attorney at that time? Or were you just, you know, what caused you to go to law school, decide to go to law school, become a lawyer?
1: So I was in journalism and broadcasting as an undergrad. And I really wanted to be a small world, right? I feel like there's a lot of us. (laughs) Yeah. But I wanted to be a news anchor. And the time I went to school was about the time media started to change. Um, so it, we stopped with the Tom Brokaw's and the Barbara Walters and the Walter Cronkite's and it became more of a, it's when media went private, right? When, when private companies started purchasing them. And so by the time I was getting ready to graduate, I just didn't feel as passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And I wound up taking a media law class and it was fascinating to me. So I actually went to law school To practice media law, not realizing that wasn't really like a thing, right? Like, you can't go out and just start media law like you have to be in-house right at NBC. You have to be
0: able to pay your bills in the meantime.
1: (laughs) Right like I had no clue just that that really um, interested me in the law and so I didn't realize at the time how analytical I really thought until I got into law school and I actually loved it. I know a lot of people didn't like law school Um, but I loved it and so of course, by the time I graduated, I had no clue what I was going to do um, because they don't really focus right on, on preparing you for an area of law. They just focus on preparing you generally. And right. Um, right. So I, that's why I think I jumped around a little bit and started in divorce and custody because you also hear that's where the money is, right? Like half the nation is getting divorced all the time. So I didn't right. realize the emotional toll that that takes because I do have that connection to my clients and they do become family to me and so them calling me on the weekends I wanted to handle that and take care of that for them and you just if you're a family law attorney you just can't see that like you have to have very strong boundaries right um, right in order to survive so it's just Uh not yeah
0: yeah, I once had a mentor um, tell me that she was a, a judge and she told me, she says, you're, you're either you either love it or you'll hate it. And she's family law. There is no is no middle road for that. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And like you, I wound up uh, uh, moving into an estate planning uh, practice. And so and working with really the elderly population and that um, it is a different kind of uh, relationship. Um, what made you decide to start your own practice, uh, you know, create solid serenity legal solutions?
1: Yeah. So when I was at, um, the nonprofit and and working as an executive director, I kind of learned the ropes of how to run a business. Right. And I -hmm. I had a little bit of a safety net under me because I had, you know, a, a board who helped me do things and I had, you know fundraising and grant writing and so it helped me to get my feet wet not be so fearful of going out on my own but what Mm -hmm. really pushed me was just that disconnect that I felt having so many people come through the door not feeling like I could give them a quality connection and quality services Mm -hmm. I mean I realized now within a year I'd forget half of our clients and they'd call and I'd say oh I don't know who that is (laughs) like I have to look up their case and it just didn't Feel right to me. I, I have a service heart, and I, mm-hmm. I thrive on connection with other people. So mm-hmm. it just wasn't the right fit for me anymore after a few years. And so going my own way um, seemed like the best best situation for me, especially being a a working mom with two young kids. The flexibility
0: mm-hmm. that having your
1: own business gives you was just amazing for me. It, it's been the best thing that I could have ever done.
0: Right, right. Um, So how long have you, how long has it been since you opened your own practice?
1: I've had my own practice for about four years now, almost five.
0: And I am curious about the name. Tell me what, tell me what went into um, naming it Solid Serenity Legal Solutions. What does that mean to you?
1: So that actually just came about, I would say about a year ago. I started out as Sarah Stewart Legal Group, but then I realized I don't want to run just a, a self-employment business where I have to be present all the time. I want to run an actual business, and I want to be the CEO. I want to not have to do all the work, right? I want it right. to run whenever I'm not there. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I need to change the name to something that's not my name. And so I started thinking about what is it that I I want to portray? What is is it that we're doing here? And so Solid Serenity came about because we are your strength whenever you're going through hard times, but we're also relieving your stress. So I found two words that sounded good together, and that kind of um, symbolized that to me. Like, we want to be your strength, and we want to be someone you can lean on. But we also want to take away your burden and help reduce your stress because I know, you know, my dad passed away probably Mm -hmm. about seven years ago. And going through that process as a personal representative, even me, who knew the process was stressful and time-consuming. And, you know, just to have someone in your corner who knows what they're doing and help you get through that, I think it's
0: priceless. Right, right. I really love the serenity, using the word serenity for that, because that really... Um, because you know, people don't think of when people think of legal issues, they don't think of serene. <laughs> right? It's not the word that comes to mind, but it really conveys that peace of mind that I think you're trying to to help your clients have that absolutely sense that it will be okay and you'll have peace of mind and you know you'll get through this. So I really, I really like that. Um, Tell me what, uh, so it's been four years. So what was it like when you first opened your practice? What were some of the things that you found to be the biggest challenges?
1: So I think the insecurity can be a little terrifying. So when you're working with an employer, you get a paycheck, right? Like every Mm -hmm. two weeks or every month or whatever it is. And you know exactly how much that is. When you're in your own business, a little different. You know, things can fluctuate, you have seasons. And I intuitively knew that. And luckily having been in the business for as long as I've been in the business, I had referrals out the gate. I mean I never was in the red. But it can be difficult to get used to that when you've been an employee for a long time. Getting used mm-hmm. to the the swings of a business. And I think that was the hardest part. And not giving up whenever you go through a downswing too. I think having persistence super important to realize that it will work out 99.9 percent of the time you just have to stick to it
0: right right that is the biggest challenge with entrepreneurship is uh it can have such highs and lows that if you don't learn to sort of you know embrace the suck and write and it out Absolutely. and just sort of know that it will it will get better and and there are clients out there for you you know or they are clients that are meant to work with you and have been looking for you, you know? Um, And when you, when you provide a good service and you bring your personality to it, then you're going to find those clients that are just really craving that, you know, they're craving that, that care and understanding. You're so fast forward now, four years into it. What are some of the, what are some of the, uh, lessons you think you've learned along the way uh, in, in growing your practice after you got through that first difficult year. <laughs> what right. are some of the things you learned?
1: I think there's two really important lessons I've learned. The first one is know your value. Um, I saw a meme probably a couple of weeks ago now that said. If it takes me 10 minutes to do something, I spent 10 years learning to do that in 10 minutes. You're not paying me for the 10 minutes. You're paying me for the 10 years. And I think a lot of, especially women entrepreneurs, have a tendency to undervalue themselves and to not realize that really your worth is more than what you're saying. So when I first came out, I would charge probably half of what my competition charges. Because I felt bad. I thought, well, that's <laughs> a lot of money, right? Like people don't have that much money. And now I realize, and number one, they do. But number two, you've got to support yourself too. And you have to value yourself too. And if you don't value yourself, they're not going to value you. My clients right. now are so much more respectful <laughs> and considerate than the ones I used to have. And I, I don't know if that's because I value myself more highly and so they do now or if it's just a different type of clientele, I'm not real sure the reason for that. I just know that it makes a big difference right. um, to know your value and not be afraid to ask for it.
0: And yeah. You're, you're, you're is, buying in, buying into someone, sorry, just to add to that thought, no, buying absolutely. into someone's money story is something that I see all the time with when people, when uh, women attorneys are starting their practices or attorneys are starting their practices you know we buy into a money story and we oftentimes project our own money story on people if, we, if we're struggling which you may be if you're starting your practice you know from scratch and you're bootstrapping it you're looking at it thinking about what you feel you can afford and what you can't afford right. and then when a client comes in you project that onto them and go well i know they can't afford this right but it's really about Probably at that point what you feel like you could afford and not afford, right? And when you shift that mindset, it really makes a huge, a huge difference. Um, Oh,
1: yeah. Made all the difference.
0: So what what was the second lesson?
1: So the second lesson for me, when I first started, um, I spoke to a mentor and he said to me, you'll remember the client you didn't take more than you'll remember the client you did what I learned from that was really you have to be selective about who you work with because it's that client that is really difficult that can suck up the most of your time, right? Um, and so you really have to find the right fit for you, someone who has, you know, similar values and similar uh-huh. personality. It's almost like dating, really, in that you really have to find the right people for you and don't just take anyone who comes in off the street um and that's made a big difference in
0: my practice and that's probably like, really hard right at the beginning to not right not just take whoever walks in the door right
1: right is but i think you your... learn that it's worth it <laughs> <not
0: Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> those people wind up costing you more <laughs> in Absolutely. the long run yeah uh so you have, when you mentioned memes, it, you know, it, uh, I, I wanted to mention this. You have a really wicked sense of humor. I see you're, uh, you're, you're the one whose memes I'm always stealing and sharing, <laughs> and you always post some really, you, you know, you're like me. You like those inspirational uh, quotes, but also, you know, that sense of humor. Um, where do you think that comes from? That little edgy. Uh, humorous viewpoint of the world
1: well so my goal is just to keep make someone stay better by whatever i'm posting on facebook so um if it makes me laugh then i figure somebody else is gonna laugh too right but i definitely i try to see the lighter side of things because life is not fun if you're just always serious and you never lighten up. And so I feel like that's important. I try at least once or twice a week to have something humorous that can make someone smile. And it surprised me how often I get random people that I don't even know who will message me and say, hey, I saw your meme today and it was funny and it made me smile. And I thought, well, if I made you smile today, then I've done something right.
0: Right, right. It goes even beyond, it goes beyond the work aspect, you know, when you have, when you're, when you're doing that. um, And you are, you mentioned that you're a mom of two young children. um, And so I imagine that that adds really an added dimension of challenge, reward, but challenge as well, when you're starting and building your own practice.
1: What oh, are absolutely!
0: Some, yeah. So, what are, what tips do you have for the mom lawyers out there with two? How old are your How old are your children? I have
1: a two year old and a six year old, both boys.
0: Oh, so they're say so they are. Yeah, the two two years old, right? So you've got your hands full, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh I bet, and I bet being boys, they're probably very busy. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what advice would you have for moms who are, um, and I know that's such a, that's such a cliche woman thing. I'm sorry to ask that to say that when I say that to a man, I don't know, but I know that moms tend to have a take on a lot of their responsibility. Um, you know, they're, they're the children's world when they're little like that, especially. And so what kind of advice would you have for starting you're kind of juggling it all
1: and that's hard right and i mean it, as a, especially a single mom sometimes you just feel like you're failing at everything right you have all these balls mm. in the air and then one of them drops for some reason and it's like a domino effect they all drop um but i would say the most important thing that i have found is having a support system and i know right. for some people that might not be the easiest maybe they don't live close to family or they don't live close to friends but getting involved in maybe a, a mom's group or something where you can have support is huge because without mm. my family around without my friends who are willing to help there's no way I could do it um I did initially when my youngest was born I brought him to work with me uh, about the first nine months because um, you know they sleep a lot but After nine Mm -hmm. months and they're mobile, there's no way. Like, I couldn't have him working (laughs) next to me. I mean, it just, he wanted all the attention in the world. And so I know a lot of women are able to pull that off too, maybe have a part-time nanny in the home, but I think you just have to have support, even if it's just for the purpose of getting your own Mm self-care. Because, you know, it took me a long time to realize you can't pour your cup into somebody else's if it's not. Fool, right? Like you have to take care of yourself first. It's like the oxygen mask on the airplane. You have to put yours right. on first before you can help someone else. And uh, it took me a long time to realize that. That's hard, I think. I, I think women are taught that we should always care for others and always put others above us. And so having to say, hey, look, I'm, I need this. I need this time. I need this break. I need whatever, Um, I know that can be hard, but I think it's necessary. I think we have to do that in order to really be our full selves, be able to balance all of the things we have. Because everything is a full-time job. We have a full-time job. We have two children, in my case, who honestly, both of them are each a full-time job. And so you've just, you've got to take care of yourself.
0: But I think that sets a wonderful example for them too, you know. So they're going to grow up seeing that, seeing that this is, you know, being with a mom who who asks for what she needs and articulates that, and takes the time and and you know and pursues pursues her dreams even though it's a challenge sometimes, right? Right. Uh, What? Tell me what is you are uh, really? I see a lot going on with your marketing right now and you're doing more sort of videos and podcasts and putting yourself out there. And so tell us kind of a little bit about some of the uh, uh, initiatives you've taken to market your practice that you found to be successful in growing your practice.
1: So for me, a lot of my practice actually comes from referrals. Um, either previous clients that have come back or previous clients who have referred other clients. So I'm really honestly always trying to figure out the marketing angle of it, right? That's the one thing that I need to work on more in my business. And so I'm constantly looking for um, ways to do that. And and what seems to be big right now and what seems to be popular are the uh, Facebook videos and podcasts and things of that nature. So I'm part of a couple of networking groups, and I happen to have people in those networking groups who are very into podcasting and into Facebook Live videos. And they're always looking for people because I think as an entrepreneur, that can be scary, right? Putting yourself out there. Right. So I think they have a hard time finding people. And so when they tell me, hey, I've got this thing. Do you want to come? Absolutely. Tell me when, tell me where, tell me what I need to do. But I think, again, the reason that I've been able to be so successful in that is I don't think that's common, um, especially attorneys. I don't feel like a lot of attorneys participate in those types of, of marketing. And so, I've yeah, I've had a rash of them lately, <laughs> about <laughs> five or six this month. So. <laughs> Um, but I love it. I mean, I think it's fun. You're just sitting down and chatting with someone. So
0: right, <laughs> it gives you an opportunity to um, educate as well. You know, when you're when you're doing videos and you're doing podcasts, it gives you an opportunity to to give back and provide um, information to uh, the community. And maybe there will be some prospective clients out of it, but, you know, it's one of the things with when we go through law school, um, we're told that there's uh, it's incumbent upon us to go out and use our skills and abilities to serve and elevate the community. And, and it's where so many attorneys kind of struggle with being business owners and right. asking for a certain amount of money for their services and and yet still, um, doing what, you know, this noble profession that we're in and, and, you know, being a leader in the community and giving back to the community. But one of the ways that we can do that in a way that is beneficial to everyone is by putting content out there, um, that helps educate people. You know, one of the biggest, um, Discussions you and I've seen in some of the groups online is when people say, uh, and we've seen that meme going around that says, "You know, your my law degree is, you know, more valuable than your Google search or absolutely. or something like that, right?" Yeah, so, what if we create content that shows up when someone is doing the Google search? Right. I mean, you know, and so you're actually giving them something that's valuable and real and not you know, not fake news, hashtag fake news, you know? right? Yes. Uh, so it's a way to give back and also to attract and, um, you know, educate people on the law and legal services so that they can make informed good decisions. So what's next for solid serenity legal solutions? What are you, what's on the horizon?
1: Oh, wow. So I'm really looking to expand, that's what I would like to do. I would like to eventually be kind of a all hat type of of service where people can come here and and find a divorce attorney or come here and find you know a real estate attorney or whatever it may be. So I would like to bring more attorneys into the mm-hmm. mix. Um, of course, that's more of a long term plan right now and just uh, looking at where our next building will be and um what our next steps are in order to to really grow within ourselves within our own business um but yeah long term that would be my goal is is to have right and
0: i love it that's a fantastic goal
1: well i think it's good for people because people always get confused right they'll call me looking for a divorce divorce attorney or a criminal attorney and i mean i have those references but wouldn't it be nice to just be able to say yeah down the hall Bob, right. Right. Two doors down. Just go knock.
0: <laughs> do you have uh, very do you have very many people on your staff right now? Or are you a true solo or you know, would you have a paralegal assistant? I mean
1: Right. So I have a, a legal assistant. Um, our office, I work life balance is very important to me. So for us full time is thirty hours. So he's thirty hours, but he's full time. And mm-hmm. then I also have a virtual assistant. So she Mm -hmm. does the little things that that I need done here or there. But um, he does my scheduling and a lot of my seating work. And I will say, even though it's probably one of the scariest moves to make to hire Mm -hmm. on an employee, it has been one of the best. It's really helped my business and it's helped my stress level and my work-life balance. And so if you're in a position where you're thinking about it, do it. Is my is my advice move forward um, it's definitely worth it
0: and how did you find how did you find this paralegal
1: so I posted a job on indeed and mm-hmm. what I did because I I mean I got probably 300 400 applicants so to kind of narrow wow. the field yeah it was crazy um I had them write the position title backwards in an email and make, sh- make sure that they told me their favorite restaurant and their cover letter. So that narrowed the field immediately down to like 20 hours. That really tells you
0: who's reading the ad, right? Because-
1: Absolutely. It was so nice because I could just say, oh, that person in follow directions, delete. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really helpful. And then I did a group interview. Um, couple of group interviews and then from that I narrowed it down to three applicants did individual interviews and then after that I took them to lunch just to kind of see how they interacted with people in public Mm -hmm. and I think it was a really good procedure because he's been a great hire and he's been um,
0: I'd really like to know more about the group interview the group interview process so what did you do with that? How many people did you had? Well, you had a room, a conference room, and you had them all show up. And
1: I did. So I have a conference room here at my office, and um, I picked two dates. I gave people two dates that they could pick. One was like lunchtime, and one was evening. And um, there would be three to five applicants sitting across from me, and I just kind of tell them who I am and what we do here, and then ask them if they had any additional questions. Uh, answer any questions that they had i mean it probably took about 15 or 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and then i said okay well if you're still interested send me an email and i will send you because i also did a skills test and just a basic like grammar and editing type of thing but Mm -hmm. i'll send you the skills test and then we will um set your second interview and so that's how i handled it and it i don't know it, it really cut down, I think, on my time. <laughs> right. And it gave right. you a couple of different layers um, to make sure that this was someone who was still interested in the position and you were still interested in that. So.
0: Well, it really also gave you that chance to um, observe people and how they interact and, you know, with other people, because that's Absolutely. such a big part of the job, right?
1: this one yes absolutely because that's you know my front desk person that's the person answering the phone and calling clients and so yeah it was really important i mean more important for me was just personality and fit, mm-hmm. um because the skills that that i needed for this particular position a lot of that can be taught and especially the way that i want it to be right instead of somebody else having taught them so for me, it was far more important that I found someone who could work well with me and work well with my clients and, and, you know, be appropriate to right, them and right. on the phone. And
0: yeah. So that was I love that. Purpose. Yeah. I love that. I love that group idea. I think that's fantastic. I hadn't heard that, um, before where, you know, you get the, get a group of applicants together and that kind of helps you because I think for, um, when you have a larger firm you can have sort of this a uh, two step process by having uh, you know staff members maybe you know an office manager or something or an hr person interviews and then cut down and create a short list for you and then then they're brought into the attorneys to the partners you know to go from there but it's harder when you know you're smaller. It's you, and especially you're if you're a true right. solo or you just have one other person. And so the way that you did it is a is a great way to have a multi interview sort of process. Um, so I think that's a great idea. Have you ever used uh, personality testing or anything like that in your in your interview process? We're we're talking about that today in um, group online. Um, and I was just curious if you've ever used personality testing, if you've done personality testing and used it.
1: So I have done it personally. I didn't use it this time around, but I think it is a good idea. Um, Mm -hmm. what I have done since hiring is we've done a personality test, um, with my assistant and kind of his, you know, also his love languages. Like what, how do you feel appreciated? Right. Right. Um, so I have done that since. I did not do it originally, but I would definitely think it would be a good idea to do originally yeah, to make
0: yeah. sure it's a good fit. Well, I really appreciate you being here today and sharing um, some, you know, your story and talking about, you know, your journey from solo to CEO so far. And uh, I think you've really shared a lot of good ideas and terrific insight. Um, so any other woman lawyer, woman law firm owner listening, this is really going to benefit from some of the uh, information you've shared. Uh, tell us how we can find out more about you.
1: Okay. So my business is Solid Serenity Legal Solutions. and I'm in Oklahoma City. I have a website that is solidserenity.com, or you can call me at 405 548 Six, three, and I hope I have given some helpful information for someone out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really think you have. I some really good ideas and I thank you so much for being here. And it was wonderful to be able to actually hear your voice and talk with you um, as long as you and I've been connected on social media, uh, we've never had a chance to speak. So I'm really glad that I had an opportunity to do that today, thanks so much.
1: Well, thank you for having me, it was a pleasure. The solo to CEO podcast is sponsored by deep rhetoric media and marketing and the solo to CEO system. We help professional women entrepreneurs transform from solos to CEOs of high impact, high revenue generating businesses while reclaiming their time and creating the lifestyle of their dreams. If you are ready to skyrocket your revenue, cultivate a crackerjack team, and set up systems and automation to get your firm running like a well-oiled machine so you can focus on the highest and best use of your time, then you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Six Shifts to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at
0: law.solotoceo.biz slash webinar.